The way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why we decided it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online from the hottest issues to trends for our daily social media minute. We're joined by Erica on the line. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. We're halfway to the weekend. <laughs> yes. I thought it was the weekend today. <laughs> Almost there. Thank you for joining us, Erica. Let's jump into of the course. first buzzword of the day. So we talked about the uh, prolonged Shanghai lockdown with a kind of a no end inside, no official announcement coming from health authorities over there. And it seems like uh, people are facing dire conditions, at least based on social media updates we were getting. It turns out a Korean food company stepped in to offer a little bit of help. That's right. Um, a WeChat chat room for apartment residents in uh, Shanghai's southwestern district of Minhang was recently filled with words of appreciation for their Korean neighbors. So what happened was uh, South Korean food producer Primuan uh, gave out free tofu to thousands of households in the apartment complex who have been Uh, stricken by a month-long city lockdown to curb the spread of COVID-19. So the company recently donated 30,000 packages of tofu to a number of apartment complexes in the district, which is also home to many Koreans. Uh, But the company did not just give out free food to only uh, Korean nationals. The tofu was distributed to all households, regardless Mm -hmm. of the nationality of the residents. Um, the company also sent some 3,000 packages of tofu to Shanghai's Pudong area, mm. uh, as well, well as 2,000 packages of samgyetang, mm. uh, which is basically Korean uh, chicken soup to Korean <laughs> residents and students in the city. It's hearty, and it's probably something uh, that's needed in time of crises, it seems. And uh, isn't it sort of heartwarming to see that, you know, they could have prioritized Korean residents first, and I don't think it would have been discriminatory. It's befitting of the dire times. But they were they were quick to say that we'll give it out to all residents, at least in this particular region anyway. Just to do a little bit of review, about 25 million residents in Shanghai have been shut in their homes since early April. It was an abrupt transition, which meant not a lot of people were stocked up for weeks and weeks of food in their pantries. Because who does that, right, in a bustling city like Shanghai? The city has struggled to provide fresh vegetables and other essentials. And during this lockdown, patients have even reported trouble accessing regular medical care as thousands of health staff were deployed to COVID-19 testing and treatment. And there was a recent viral video that was quick to be shunned by the Chinese authorities. That's right. Um, All of these issues that you just mentioned were chronicled in this six-minute video. Uh, It was titled Voice of April. It was widely shared on Weibo and WeChat. And uh, the video opens with audio clips from media briefings back in March. Officials are saying that Shanghai will not have a citywide lockdown. However, that decision was quickly reversed, not too long after in April, uh, because uh, the Omicron variant led to a spike in infections in the city. Um, Audio clips in the video are played in chronological order, showing the extremely dire situation of residents who are basically locked in their own homes without any preparation. And uh, this viral video was taken down over the weekend by China's internet censors, Mm. um, and it triggered an online backlash, to Mm. say the least. Exactly, because it was a montage and a look into personal firsthand experiences, not as if other people haven't seen the video. It went viral for quite some time before it was officially taken down. You can see people 
actually sort of distraught saying if COVID doesn't get to me, starvation will get to me first. So uh, to say the least, I mean, these free tofu may have been the most timely, kind gesture this food company could have done. Yes. All right, on to our second story. Uh, Warren Buffett, do you want to lunch with the multi-billionaire? Yes. <laughs> this is your last chance. Do I have the money? <laughs> Can I afford it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think for most of us, it's kind of a far-fetched dream where it was for me. I do. It's just one of the things that you put on your bucket list because it sounded fun. It sounded insightful and cool, but... Only a lucky few were able to get and snag that exclusive lunch in the last 20 years, it turns out. Exactly. Um, Warren Buffett is going to spend one last lunch hour with the winner of an annual charity auction. Uh, For the last 20 years, the power of one charity auction has featured a lunch date with a billionaire, and it has raised tens of millions of dollars for the homeless. Now, the auction was actually conceived by his late wife, Susan, who died back in 2004. And for more than two decades, the auction raised money for the Glide Foundation, which supports people experiencing homelessness in San Francisco. And apparently this foundation is one of Buffett's favorite charities. Uh, Perhaps one of the many reasons why he remained committed for so many years. Uh, Buffett has famously hosted a luncheon at New York's legendary Smith & Walensky at the Steakhouse since the first auction in 2000. Will the tradition remain intact for one final meal? (laughs) It will. Uh, The winner and up to seven guests uh, will have the chance to join the man himself at the New York establishment where uh, a 730 gram prime rib goes for $74, which, by the way, is quite affordable (laughs) considering just how expensive Hanu steak can be here in the city of Seoul. One might argue is American steak slightly more affordable. Who knows? But I mean, this is kind of an iconic feature. So you're right. Um, It's a tourist hotspot. It's been sort of an icon in the city for so long. It sounds affordable to me as well. But the auction and the luncheon, certainly not so affordable. (laughs) When will the online auction begin? Well, it's going to start on June 12th. Uh, It's going to last for five days and the bids will start at $25,000. It usually fetches a lot more than that. And this will be, as you said, the final charity lunch, Warren Buffett. Do we know the big reason as to why he's retiring this idea? Um, the Glide Foundation has not specified why, but, uh, you know, Warren Buffett is turning 92 years old in August, and oh. that could be one of the reasons. I wasn't keeping up with his age. I mean, right. I mean, at 92, it, it might not be as easy to, I guess, um, digest the steak. <laughs> or sit down with a stranger and talk yeah. about, I don't know, his most lofty investment ideas. So what is the record price for this annual auction? You said bidding starts at $25,000. How high does it go? Well, back in 2019, a Chinese crypto founder, Justin Sun, spent $4.6 million (laughs) to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Um, You know, Sun is known for his flashy purchases. For example, just last year, he bought a $78.4 million Alberto Giacometti sculpture at an auction. Uh, Last year, he made the winning bid for a seat on the first Blue Origin (laughs) space flight for $28 million, although he was unable to make the journey. 
But he was able to make the purchase. Uh, do yep. you think he still has a bucket list? I really do think he does. <laughs> How much has Warren Buffett raised for then the, the Glide Foundation by hosting a total of 20 luncheons in a total uh, in over these years? Well, since 2000, he has raised more than $34 million. Uh, the first auction raised $25,000 for the cause. And uh, three years later, in 2003, the sale moved online to eBay's platform. And this was at Buffett's suggestion. Uh, at, since 2008, however, each winning bid has been at least $4 million. You know, if you have just a million sitting around in your bank account, why not? <laughs> On to our last story today. Uh, I can't believe this is a conversation topic in 2022. It's hard for me to digest and, and I don't want to set the tone, but I think it's pretty agreeable. Outrage in the UK after Conservative Party lawmakers accuse opposition deputy of basic instinct ploy to distract the prime minister. And yes, we're talking about the film. I'm shaking my head. Uh, quite literally. Yeah. Uh, the opposition deputy leader, her name is Angela Rayner, and she is number two in the opposition Labour Party. And for those of you who are wondering, you know, if you're young, you may not have seen the movie or heard of the movie even, what the basic instinct ploy is, I'm going to try to give you the radio-friendly explanation. Mm. So it was a movie that was released in 1992. It starred uh, Sharon Stone and Michael Douglas. And the article, the problematic article run by Mail on Sunday that quotes the conservative PMs and their accusations against Rayner is referring to one scene from that movie. Mm. And in that scene, Sharon Stone uh, distracts the police officer, played by Michael Douglas, uh, inter interrogating her. And she is seen crossing and uncrossing her legs mm. in a manner that reveals too much, basically. And mm. she's dressed in a short white dress. I mean, it's referenced so much in TV shows here and elsewhere that you may have noticed the scene and to accuse a lawmaker of this sounds just groundless and sexist and I can't think of other more PC words. I'm going to move things along. That is what the conservative lawmakers of England are talking about. They're alleging that the deputy labor leader sexually distracted the prime minister. So let me tell you their exact words. Uh, quote, she knows she cannot compete with Boris's Oxford Union debating training, but she has other skills which he lacks. She has admitted as much when enjoying drinks with us on the Commons Terrace. A British politics at its not so finest, I have to say. Ah, that's hard for me to take in. And uh. the most disgusting part about this whole thing is that uh, these Tory lawmakers are refusing to reveal themselves. So they're making these sexist allegations in complete secrecy. That is so much worse. If you can't own up to these kinds of accusations, don't say it at all. Maybe there is a sense of shame in saying something that's untrue and sexist. How has Rayner responded to all the allegations? Well, she has uh, basically addressed these allegations directly. Mm. She tweeted, uh, women in politics face sexism and misogyny every day, and I'm no different. Boris Johnson's cheerleaders have resorted to spreading desperate, perverted smears in their doomed attempts to save his skin. Mm. They know exactly what they're doing, the lies they're telling. So go high when they're going extremely low. Yeah, you know what? She has actually um, begged. She apparently begged uh, Mail on Sunday, the paper that ran the article, not to run the story. Mm. And she said she was horrified by the story, which uh, she had to explain to her teenage sons. 
Uh, the fact that the mail got maybe a courtesy or a call from the lawmaker, it's it <laughs> it seems like it's also telling of a sensationalized story as well. Should the media outlet be held accountable? That's another interesting angle, don't you think? Now, is this enough? These condemnations do not change the basic reality of politics in many parts of the world. It's not to single out the UK. Politics is still very much a boys club in most countries. You know, statistically, in many countries, things have also improved over the years. Women do make it to the top, but, you know, they they become targets of all kinds of prejudice and sexism. Mm. And uh, the latest controversy in the UK is proof of the root of that problem. And of course, what we understand about the next generation is that we don't necessarily remain silent in in the face of injustice or any kind of sexist or misogynistic commentary. Will action be taken over this controversy, we wonder? Well, you know, questions are being asked around the palace and if the anonymous source is identified Mm -hmm. uh, and if they are identified, whether action will be taken. Uh, The U.S. press regulator Ipso has said that it is exploring possible breaches of its Mm -hmm. code of practice. It received nearly 6,000 complaints about the article. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right. And maybe it's not just about the secret source. Maybe it's about the media outlet also holding its own ground. And I don't know, keeping up with journalistic integrity. Is that dead? Just a point. Uh, Thank you so much, Erica, for going us, uh, running us through those stories. We'll see you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.